Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. If you buy it today, you pick it up today. They offer 20 Sherwin-Williams colors to choose from, and a 40-year warranty. Baker Metal and Dixie Supply, two names, same great service. With the addition of their new store in Cantonment, Florida, they now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metal Works, your metal roofing headquarters, and also brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients to your deer? If so, try Southern Buck Food Plot Blends. Your deer will love it. At Southern Seed and Feed, they specialize in making textured feed for horses, cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, chickens, small animals, and wildlife. Their products are proven irresistible, scientifically formulated to promote excellent herd health and hunter satisfaction. They supply products to various distributors throughout the South. So visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. I'm your host, Joe Bai, here today, my co-host, Butch Theory. Today, Butch, we're talking turkeys, man. You know I'm excited, but... The king, the king of spring. King of spring. However, the reason we waited to release this show until after most turkey seasons have, have begun is that every year I talk to someone, unfortunately, it's been me a couple of years, but I talk to someone who has a miss or they wound a bird or something goes south where they start misjudge yardage and it happens man it does you know they start questioning their setup like was it was this a gun problem was this a choke problem was this a shot shell problem like what do i need to do different and i hear it every single year you know of well what what happened how did i miss man i should have hit that bird right at 15 yards well today we're going to learn why some of these misses are happening we're going to learn what you really need to think about if you're thinking about a turkey choke and how to find the best one for your gun because you and I don't shoot the same gun. That's right. Um, Every situation is different. Yeah. 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 And my, I don't, you know, my wife doesn't shoot the same gun as me. My boys will not shoot the same gun when they start turkey hunting as what I'm shooting. And so how do I go to the store? Once I've got my gun set up, like I want it, how do I go to the store and get the right choke for them? How do I go get the right choke for her? If you call me up and say, hey, Joe, I'm thinking about switching to a 20 gauge this year for turkeys. What what are you running in yours? I'm going, I don't know, man. I don't know what you should use because every time I've ever been to the patterning board, it's super different. You just got to test them. You got to test them. And the reality is you don't have to test every single scenario and variable, but it depends on what kind of choke you're using. So we're going to get into that today. Uh, to help us out with that is going to be Jim Muller of Muller Chokes. Jim, welcome back to the show, man. For folks that didn't hear you last time, tell us a little bit more about you and and you know your history with choke tube manufacturing. Hey guys, so so basically, I uh, started duck hunting in 1975, and uh, come 1990, I wanted to become a better wing shooter, so I decided to get into sporting clays. Fast forward to like 1992. I really dove into sporting clays, became a much better shooter, but I realized that the chokes on the market were flawed. 
Um, didn't matter what company it was. Um, didn't matter what gun it was for. And it didn't matter what ammo you're shooting. There were huge variables. They didn't shoot the way they were marked. They rusted. They built up with plastic, carbon. Um, they came loose between stations. It was just sort of the same thing, you know, across the board. So make a very long story short, I, you know, at the time I was an aerospace defense manufacturer, metallurgist, heat treating, all that stuff. So I basically went into the shop, made my own and uh, never looked back. And uh, as years progressed, I did a huge amount of testing and ballistics with shotguns and just kept going and going. And before you knew it, you know, it was 2004. I had my own machine shop doing my own aerospace work. And then in 2007, 2008, when the economy tanked, I basically lost all my aerospace work and, you know, I needed to do something. And I, I knew, you know, 100% that I had invented the most even patterning choke in the world, the cleanest choke in the world, the lightest in the world. So I'm like, you know what, let me patent this, bring it out of closet, see if it'll help pay the bills. And um, I did so. And it basically revolutionized clay target sports in two years time and just took mm -hmm. off. So it was amazing. And then fast forward years after that, I took that same gun specific patterning geometry I invented for clay target sports and put it into my duck, goose and turkey chokes. So that brings us forward to today. Very cool story. Yeah, very cool. Well, if you want to start a fight, you get a bunch of turkey hunters together and start talking about, you know, the quote unquote best turkey choke, you know, because they're going to everybody's going to have their opinion and, and they're all right to some extent because every gun's different, right? I mean, we learned that from you last time. We we're talking about waterfowl chokes. I mean, you got to take into account a lot of things uh, when it comes to doing that. But when we when you think about turkey chokes, typically, I'm, I mean, in my brain, I'm thinking like really tight heavily constricted chokes, but how does that choke affect the pattern of, of the shotgun that it's coming out of? So basically a lot of people think, uh, you know, the tighter it is, meaning the exit diameter, um, the tighter it's going to shoot simply. And that's not the truth. It's not the case due to physics. Um, it also is not the case based on shot size, shot material, velocity, payload, um, bore diameter in the shotgun barrel that you're actually using. These are all things that affect patterns tremendously. And it's something that pretty much nobody's really ever touched on or talked about or taught us. Um, all we've been taught is, you know, go with a tighter choke and shoot a tighter pattern. But that's not what happens. We could go into great detail about that, but it would take days. So, yeah. so basically, you know, in a nutshell, these days with TSS shoot number nine, even, you know, number nine and a half, nine, eight and a half, eight, seven and a half, seven, you know, basically those are all very small shot sizes. So theoretically, regardless of what constriction you put them through, they're going to be tight. It's, it's a very shot, small shot size. We know that going back to the 1930s, 40s and 50s and 60s shooting skeet, right? We shoot number nines for American skeet because it's the most pellets, the biggest usable pattern, and it's going to give you the best possible score. Well, number nines can also be constricted down incredibly tight um, because it's small shot size. They stack very tight like a slug. Mm. Now go the opposite end of the spectrum with a steel BB. That's not going to be true, right? 
So you, you need two totally different types of not only exit diameter, but you also need different material of a choke tube, different hardness of a choke tube, different taper length of a choke tube, and all different geometries to make those pattern good. So it's really a big science that goes behind it. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, you start thinking about you gotta you gotta consider the shot type. Yeah, you gotta gotta consider the shot type with turkeys, of course, you know, that mythical, magical, ethical, whatever you want to call it, kind of forty yard mark is where most people put it on a turkey. But I, I can tell you this, I misjudge that distance quite often. You know, there's been quite a few times where I thought I had a bird inside of forty and I was wrong. And then you've got other things playing into account, like vegetation. I mean, a lot of times you're taking a shot at a bird who's he's not just standing out in the wide open. And all those things, you know, you got to think about that. Are you shooting a 12, a 20, a 410, a 28, a 16, you know, you, a 10 gauge? I mean, there's all different types of options. And you really need to consider all those things, uh, like you said, when it comes to choosing a, a choke tube. So, so when you start looking at choke tubes, you do start to see things uh you know about constriction numbers you know they're putting a number on it some people want to want to call it a certain thing or they'll say it's a, a 665 or a 565 or whatever it may be are all chokes of a certain constriction gonna perform the same no they're not so basically you know first we'll touch base on that because that's really important to know so back in the in the day when choke was defined and patterns were defined Basically, they, they even if you Google it to this day, it's still there. And it's been classified and defined as 40 yards in a 30-inch circle. A full choke is 70% of your pellets um, in a 30-inch circle at 40 yards. Modified is 60%, improved cylinders 50%, and so on, right? So full choke was always defined and still is defined as 30 thousandths of an inch constriction. And what that 30 thousandths of an inch is is from your bore diameter. So that's where the problem comes in. So basically, you know, if you take a Benelli or a Beretta with a, like a, let's say a, a Benelli M1 or even a Benelli SBE3, and you take an old Beretta 303, 390, 391 Eureka with a mobile choke, those barrels vary from 0.719, 719 thousandths of an inch, up to about 724. And they average at 721 and a half. So if you take that as a round number 720, okay, and you put 30 thousandths constriction in it, that's going to be 690, okay? That's full choke. However, what happens when you take a Browning Invector Plus gun that measures 745 and you put 30 thousandths in it, that's 715. Well, 715 exit diameter is not the same as 690, right? Right, right. So, so why can we say they're both full choke? We can't, but that's what choke manufacturers and shotgun manufacturers and ammo manufacturers have always said. It's not real. It's not true. So I realized this back in 93, and it's what basically put me on this huge journey to figure out what this, you know, it wasn't a can of worms. It was a dumpster of worms, right? <laughs> because because not only was 30,000 no longer full choke, but you know it became every single gun based on every single bore diameter, based on every single gun manufacturer in metallurgy and machining depended on what choke was in the gun would dictate how that gun shot individually. 
and meaning it, it gets crazy, but not exit diameter, but actual geometry and material of the choke and the geometry in the choke for the particular gun it's in, dependent on that would dictate how that gun actually performed. So make a long story short, I could take any choke you have for any gun that shoots, let's say, truly a full choke pattern, and I could just change the taper length in that choke and never touch the exit diameter and make it shoot like an improved cylinder. Wow. So a choke is not a choke is not a choke. So there's no so, real standardization. That's right. Um, there is no such thing as standard. Interesting. And this is something that we've never learned. It's something that nobody's ever talked about because it does get too vast. And to be honest with you, I, I really don't think that any choke manufacturer or any gun manufacturer or any ammo manufacturers has ever really done this in-depth testing that I've done to discover all these variables. And even if there is anybody that has done it, really, do they care? Because they're selling chokes, they're selling guns, they're selling ammo, they're doing great. They just really care about selling stuff, making money, getting it out there in the, in the public. And hunters are the ones that are suffering as the end user. It's interesting to hear you describe that scenario because I think back to my very early years as a turkey hunter and around camp, you know, there was like legendary guns and it wasn't like something you could replicate. It wasn't like a, oh, well, I just got to go get a Remington 870 with a such and such choke and such and such shot. It was like, this guy was like, no, this is the Turkey Slayer. You know, it was some gun. It had a fixed choke barrel. You know, I mean, there was no adjustability. It was just that gun was set up and, th and, it, and they were great guns. I mean, it just, that one came from the factory just so right. And he had the right ammo and take it to the Turkey shoot on Saturday afternoon and win it, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it was like, man, I wish I had that gun. It wasn't something you could go out and just go get cause you wanted it, you know? And to listen to you describe the geometries and the exit diameter and the taper and the metallurgy and all that goes into it. It's like, man, it's, it's pretty overwhelming to try to For think sure. about just taking my gun or one of my guns. Right. Where do you got, begin? Right. I mean, Butch's gun, I mean, you know, is not the same as mine. And even if we've yeah. got the same manufacturer uh, and the same model, we may have a difference if his was just a little bit different from the factory, or maybe his is five years older than mine and they changed something up. Absolutely. Uh, so there, there is, I mean, you really do have to get it set up to your gun. Yes. You know, thinking about that too, like, is, is there ever a reason to change your choke? Like, uh, for example, you may call a turkey into five yards or you may need to take a shot at 45 yards. How do you, you know, how do you try to find that right, that right pattern? Uh, because it, it's so different if you get too tight. I mean, that's what I'm starting to hear a lot about mm -hmm. is you've got the guy that's bragging about, man, I rolled that turkey at 60 yards. I thought he was at 40 and I took the shot and it killed him stone dead and he's all pumped up. And then, but I'm also hearing guys talk about, ah, you know, I had the turkey at 10 yards and I missed. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I totally missed him. Yeah. yeah and they got, you know, $12 shells and, and yep. you know, a, a $1,500 turkey gun. So what what's happening? So that's really the best question that you could, you could ask. And so the best answer to help turkey hunters with that is, is this. So basically what I've seen over the years, like we we're just talking about constriction is choke manufacturers have gotten away from 
reality in regards to hunting in the field. And what I mean by that is, you know, everything you see in marketing these days is 400 pellets in a 10 inch circle at 40 yards. Well, hooray for you if you're shooting card tournaments, but, but the reality is you only need four pellets in a head and neck to consistently and humanely dispatch a turkey. So I understand people don't want a bunch of pellets in the body of a turkey for whatever reason that has come along through the years. We don't mind to do it with a duck or a goose, but with a turkey, God forbid, we ever put a pellet in the breast, right? So <laughs> that's right. So so anyway, which never made sense to me. It's still a bird that we're hunting. Who cares? So with that said, over the years, patterns have just become tighter, 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 smaller, smaller, smaller at insane distances. And now you add TSS into the game and it's even tighter at you know insane distances out to a hundred, right? So what I realized as a turkey hunter and as a hunter from 1975, I've shot hundreds of turkeys and uh, I've shot them with bow and arrows and shotguns and all sorts of things, right? And what I've realized from talking to hunters and professional guides across the country is that there's only a handful of people that have ever shot a turkey past 50 yards. And of that huge percentage, 90% of them have shot their turkey inside 35 yards and a huge percentage of that number, it's been inside 25 yards. Mm -hmm. So what I realized when I was making a choke to it, because believe me, I've shot golf balls at turkeys and missed them. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to make a choke tube for turkey that will actually benefit hunters. And so what I did was I came across a different methodology And what I realized was, let me make a choke tube that is going to be beneficial inside 20 yards, but also very lethal out to 50 yards with lead shot. Because let's face it, most people use lead shot because not everybody could afford, you know, $10 a shot for TSS. So my opinion, my ballistic expert opinion is that if you're not shooting past 50 yards, don't waste your money on TSS, number one, because you don't need it. So with that said, I made my chokes so they're forgiving inside 25 yards, but they're also very consistent, predictable, and lethal at 50 yards with lead shot. Now, if you're going to shoot turkeys inside 25 yards, shoot a regular lead target load, seven and a half target load with, you know, a modified choke or with my choke, it would normally be like a passing, right? But if you're going to shoot at extended yardage, you would want my UFO or my turkey strut, let's say something like a Winchester Longbeard number six out to 50, right? All day long. But if you have a situation where you know birds may hang up based on your setup or your topography, or you like to shoot birds past 50, well, then just go to TSS. It's simple as that. But where we lose things is where we get into like shooting these chokes that are like 650 or 640 or 660. And we're putting, you know, a 10 inch pattern on a bird at 40 yards. Well, the only time that's going to be beneficial if the bird is past 40 yards, it's not going to be beneficial inside 40 yards because if the turkey moves at all, you're going to miss them. Mm-hmm. especially if he's at around that 40 yard marker beyond because the lag time it takes for your brain to say, okay, pull a trigger now. And you pull a trigger and a shot to get to the bird, that bird could have moved two feet 
Okay. So we're not shooting a high powered rifle where you touch a trigger and the bullets there. We're shooting a shotgun at 1160 or two or 1200 feet per second. Right. So I realized this many years ago upon many misses and also many kills and tons of pattern testing. So theoretically and realistically with the average shotgun shooter and target and turkey hunter, you're basically going to shoot most of your turkeys inside 40 yards and a high percentage inside 25 yards. So why would you want to shoot a golf ball? And my answer is you don't. And yes, this is an individual thing. Like you said, turkey hunters are going to get into arm wrestles over, well, I want to put 400 pellets in his head at 40 yards. Well, okay, that's cool if you want to do that. But what I'm telling you is your miss to hit ratio is going to go through the roof. And why? You know, what's the purpose of it? You're going to miss the time of a lifetime at 25 yards because you wanted to shoot a golf ball at it. You know, there's really no benefit to it. So this is something I'm trying to help people with and teach people with. And it's why I designed my turkey choke the way I did. I want it to be forgiving, but at the same time, dependable. Yeah, man, it sounds like you've, I mean, you've pretty much figured out the hunter's worst nightmare is trying to figure out, like we're talking about, there's so many variables. We talked a little bit about in the waterfowl podcast we did with you about how to pattern your gun and a little bit about patterning. To the guy, I mean, it sounds like what we need to do as turkey hunters and duck hunters or anything is just go go buy the tube that you recommend because you've done all the homework for us. But for the guy that's listening um, and is not sure, he's like, yeah, I've actually missed a couple at 10 or 15 yards and I've maybe hit a few at 50. What can that guy do? What does he need to do to figure out if his pattern is is something that's going to work for him? Yeah, so basically, number one, decide what you want as an individual. So like, you know, you may, you may want to shoot Turkey past 50 yards because it's a goal of yours because you've shot a ton of Turkey inside 40 and you don't want to do that anymore. You want to shoot them past 50, just like long range deer hunting, right? Sure. That's a great point. You know, shoot mule deer out West, you know, 600, 700 yards. So if you, if you want to do that, then you need to decide, okay, this is what I want to do. And that means I'm going to want to shoot, you know, 10 inches at 40 yards. And this is the choke that I see or hear will do it. This is the ammo I think will retain that much energy, which would probably be TSS. And that's what you focus on. So you pattern at those distances. You start at 40 yards and you go out to whatever distance you think will be your maximum. And you see if you're going to have enough pellets in that, uh, let's call it a 30 inch circle to ultimately be consistent and and humanely kill a bird at that distance. But if you're somebody that says, man, I'm never going to want to shoot a turkey past 25 yards. And if he is past 25, I'm not going to pull a trigger. Well, and you don't want to be shooting 10, a 10 inch circle at 40 yards, right? And you don't want to be shooting TSS. So then what you're going to want to do is get a choke that's going to give you that reliable 24 to 30 inch pattern at the distance you intend to pull a trigger at. And decide what ammo you should be shooting and if i'm shooting inside 30 yards i'm shooting a seven and a half turkey uh target load lead you know because it's going to give me a beautiful picture perfect pattern every shot with plenty of lethality and i'm not going to break the bank doing it it's going to cost me 70 cents versus ten dollars so basically match your style of hunting um individually not what's being marketed to you just make your own decision 
don't don't follow the leader. Just follow what you want to do. Yep, that's great advice. Jim, you, you know, you're talking about that too. And you, you say like 24 to 30 inch pattern and, and I can just kind of hear some people say, man, that's huge. You know, like that's because they're so used to seeing that, that pie plate at 40 yep. is what everybody's trying to get to, but yep. you start thinking about, all right, let's just say you're sh- not shooting an optic, right? So you're shooting mm-hmm. a bead. I mean, at, at 40 yards, if I've got my bead on a turkey's waddles, it's not just covering up his waddles. It's covering up his whole front of his body that's right so if he if he moves just a bit and they are constantly moving if i move just a bit and i'm constantly you know jacked up on adrenaline if i've got a turkey in close (laughs) your your elbow slips off your knee you know (laughs) yeah or or a bird comes in in the way you're not expecting and you're shooting on your offhand side or or you just got to twist or do something funky or you got to take a quick shot because the hands or a bob or a bobcat hits you in the leg (laughs) right exactly there's a lot of things can can happen world jumps on your head yeah, right. I want those those wider patterns because it's it's just yeah. I need more, as much I need forgiving. as much grace I need as much grace period as I can get. get there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So so for the guys that say you know like look, I'm not switching from TSS. I love it. I'm stuck. I'm with it. You know, and as long as it's legal, I'm sticking with it. And it is you know it is going to be more forgiving. And I I mean I watched this play out last weekend uh, where we had a bird in what both of us thought was. Uh, killing distance and the shot was taken not by me i won't say who did it but the shot was taken <laughs> and the bird uh flew off and turns out the bird was at 63 yards so it can be tough tss can give you a little more forgiveness as well because it's going to carry that downrange energy more but if somebody is saying hey jim i'm going to shoot tss how does that change things for you choke wise like with your chokes do you still recommend the same choke uh, or, or would you change it up and open up that pattern even more so for turkey hunters when when i developed my ufo i actually developed it with winchester Longbeard because when i came out with my my hunting series my decoy passing ufo winchester was just developing their Longbeard xr so i had winchester Longbeard on my chokes for two years under contract with them because they love my pattern so much right gotcha so I was killing Toms out to 60 yards all day long with their three inch and three and a half inch sixes. So I knew that the patterns I created with my UFO were ultimate for not only myself, but for 90% of turkey hunters that are out there, right? So when TSS came along, of course, I've got to test all of that along with bismuth and everything else that came out that's in between all of that. And I decided that my UFO was ultimate for 90% of turkey hunters out there based on what I had already explained. And with TSS, yes, it patterns tighter because you've got a lot more pellets. It's a lot denser. It just patterns tighter. Just being 18 grams per cubic centimeter, because it's so heavy, it just patterns. It retains its velocity. It retains its energy. It retains its trajectory. It retains everything just beautifully. So you can get away with a lot more open choke and a much more open pattern and still kill a bird because number one, you know, you're not shooting TSS number two with, you know, a hundred pellets in a load. You're shooting, you know, an ounce and five eighths of number nines and there's like 400 and something pellets in a load. It's like throwing a blanket on a bird at 80 mm-hmm. yards, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so, so if you're, and I know because I kill ducks out to a hundred, you know, very easily with TSS number sevens in my wow. passing choke. I don't even shoot my UFO choke to be honest with you. Okay. 
So basically shooting my UFO choke being what somebody would call at least 10 thousandths larger than what any turkey hunter would ever recommend, right? It's not about thousandths of an inch constriction. It's about what that choke is going to give you, right? For every gun with every load. So I made a choke that is really beneficial because it's forgiving inside that close range with lead shot. It's also going to be the most forgiving with TSS because of what I created, right? So if somebody knows they're going to shoot turkey, let's say they're just shooting TSS like you asked, and they know that they're going to be shooting turkeys from 15 yards out to 60 yards. Well, my choke is going to be perfect for that because it's going to be forgiving close and it's going to be devastating far. All right. If you know you're going to be shooting turkey inside 25 yards or 30, even inside 30 yards with TSS, you could certainly shoot my decoy constriction or passing choke and be more than good enough. All right. The thing that we've become confused with, like I said before, we as turkey hunters have been marketed to, it's got to be tight, tight, tight we've gotten really um, blindsided and tunnel vision about we've got to shoot the tightest choke in the smallest pattern on the market to kill a turkey. And yeah. it's not true. It's not true. We, we've lost sight. Well, and it's an easy thing to measure too, because you can say, yeah. all right, we put a 10 inch circle out there at 40, my gun choke shell combination got, you know, 300 hits inside of 10 and yours got 200 hits inside of 10. I win. I'm better. Yeah, but that's not really the that's not really the goal and or the aim. I don't think, um, not for me, anyways, uh, because I just want them dead. If I've gone yes. through all the trouble to get them in there close, yeah. I don't care if it's a hits them in the the breast or the head or yeah, whatever. Regardless of how far they are, just... and going back to that a little bit, what's one of the things that I really like about TSS is that it, how much energy it retains downrange. So I'm not as worried about you know cutting their head off with a really tight pattern i mean i've shot a few birds with tss where i did have a couple of hits in the breast and man it zipped right through them i mean there was yep. no no shot to be found so that stuff's right. brutal i want as wide and and forgiving a For pattern sure. as i can reasonably have that's just going to end up and result in in more killing yeah. shots like we were jim talking said about, throwing, throwing a blanket on the bird yeah yeah yep. Bl blanket of hate that's right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> give me give me all of it i want all, all right. the blanket <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of our sponsors. Mallard Bay Outdoors. Mallardbay.com is the Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the United States. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, mallardbay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook, and they can help you find your dream hunt. Let me ask you this. We were talking earlier about how every gun's different. If Butch is shooting a, a Benelli M2 and I'm shooting a Remington 870 and he's got a 26 inch barrel and I've got an 18 and a half inch barrel, you know, we just, we can't even talk to each other about what to do. We got to go All out right. there and try different chokes, different shells, different everything and pattern them ourselves. Uh, how are you able to take the same choke and put it in a Benelli or a Remington or a Winchester or a Browning and get consistent patterns? 
So basically everything that's been out there, you can't. So what I did with my chokes is I created gun-specific patterning geometry. So I took every gun on the market with every bore diameter, with every barrel length, with every ammo on the market. And I basically kept changing the geometry. I started with one gun, whatever that one may be. At the time, it was a Browning. Okay. And I changed every geometry you could imagine in the choke tube using a, a very premium ammo, basically BMP. Okay. And... I changed every geometry you could imagine until I got a picture perfect pattern out of that gun with the lowest shot shot deviation, meaning three to 5% every shot time and time again, with the most even pellet counts from the inside 20 inch coral way out to the 30 inch fringe. And when I achieved that for that gun, I drew the blueprint for that choke and I moved on to the next gun, started all over. So every one of my chokes for every single gun has its own taper length, parallel length, Gasker clearance, surface finish, tangent radius blend where the two join, you name it, even overall length. Okay. So based on what I found to be the best that that gun was capable of producing. Now, there's not another choke manufacturer choke in the world that's done that. I know it for a fact because I've looked at every one of them. I've shot every one of them and I've talked to the owners. Okay. And so I know what's out there and I know what I've done. And the reason I've done what I've done is because I couldn't find it. Mm. So when I, back in 93, when I realized that every gun shot totally different, if you took the choke out of them and shot threads, they all pattern different. So if they start different, they certainly end different. So you can't put the same choke in every one and say it's this because it's not, you know, X is not X and Y is not Y, right? They're more like, AGX, right? Mm-hmm. So they're all different, very different. So what I did was you cannot you can only make a pattern smaller. You cannot make it bigger. Okay. Yes, you've got these, you know, spreader type loads or spreader type chokes. The problem is it's not a single projectile. It's it's 100, 200, 300, 400 pellets that you're trying to manipulate. And physics won't allow you to manipulate something like that consistently because it's physically impossible. So the best you can do is try to do something consistent. So you can have something predictable, something you can count on, something you have an idea of what it's doing. And anytime you shoot any type of spreader choke or spreader load, you have no idea what it's doing. So therefore don't do it, right? So because every shot's entirely different. So basically what you need is something that's consistent, uniform, predictable. And that way you know what you've got. Um, which is why all my guns are set up 50-50 point of impact, so I know where it's shooting, (laughs) and we can go on to that whole thing. But with patterns, with ammo, with guns, they're all going to pattern different. So what I did was I created the best consistency I could. So basically, give an example, just off the cuff, my decoy choke in a mobile choke constriction is going to be approximately seven thousandths of an inch constriction with a specific geometry based on how that shoots the best with every ammo across the board whether it's a lead target load a steel bb or a tungsten seven okay you take a browning and vector plus and it's going to be more like fifteen thousandths constriction with special geometry to get it to where it needs to be at that same distance So there's all different variables in every single choke for every single gun. You know, it's mind boggling. 
you look at some some other chokes out there that are marked uh, 690, and it's for a Browning and Vector Plus. And you look at their package, and it's improved modified. Well, let me ask you, how can something that's constricted 58 thousandths of an inch be designated as improved modified? Improved modified is 25 thousandths of an inch constriction, plain and simple. Google it. You know, it's just, it's what's been defined forever. The problem with both ends of the spectrum of definition, a 690 choke in a 745 bore with 58 thousandths constriction, or is that 55? I'm doing it in my head. Either way, 55 thousandths, 58 thousandths constriction. How could you ever look at that and say it's an improved modified? You can't. It's absurd. But Maybe in the choke manufacturer's defense, maybe at 40 yards in a 30-inch circle with one brand of ammo with one gun, they got 65% pellets in that 30-inch circle, which is the definition of an improved modified. Maybe, maybe not. But no matter what, no matter how you look at it, 50-something thousandths of an inch constriction is nothing, nowhere defined as an improved modified. That's... uh it's to listen to you go through all the data and all of that is so overwhelming. It is. That is, that overwhelming. is that's what I've always felt as a turkey is. hunter is it, is it was like, okay, I'm going to get this gun shooting right, you know? And so you go to the store and you got maybe five or 10 different options in terms of shot shells. And it's like, well, do I shoot a two and three quarter, a three inch, a three and a half inch? Do I shoot mm. five, six, sevens, eights, or nines? Or do I shoot blends of sevens, eights, and nines? Mm. And then once you make a decision on all that, then you go, okay, well, I'm shooting a Benelli. There's five different turkey chokes hanging on the rack for a Benelli. Okay, I'm going out. I'm going to go out to the patterning board now. And I've done it with friends, you know, where I've got, I've got a Benelli, they've got a Remington and we're all out there shooting multiple different combinations. And it's crazy that, you know, his gun shoots one shell better than mine does, you know, and we're, we all end up with a different. Yeah. It varies a lot. That set up. And it's like, geez, how do you, you can't even talk to somebody about it because it's just so dependent on what you've got in your own setup. And to hear that you've gone through each individual manufacturer it's incredible. created a set of standards where I can say, Hey, look, man, uh, I know that if I grab one of Jim's chokes and I'm shooting a Benelli or a Browning or a Remington or a Winchester, it doesn't matter because he's gone through there and done the work to figure out what those barrels are going to create the most consistent and even patterns for the type of hunting I'm trying to do. And you've made that so simple now uh, where it's just easy to make the decision. You can go, okay, this is the kind of hunter I am. I'm a turkey guy. I want to kill him as far as I can kill him. Just go grab the turkey choke. Or if I'm a, uh, you know, a turkey guy and I want him in close and I want to shoot lead, I know what I can go do. And it just makes it so simple. It's it's really neat, and I'm glad you did it because I know I never would have done it. And I mean, it costs no you thousands of dollars to sit there with your own gun and all the different chokes and all the different shot shell combinations and hours and hours and hours and, hours and a of time. super short shoulder and a and a headache yeah. so uh yeah, definitely yeah what other tips do you have for for turkey hunters that are trying to get the best best choke for their setup i mean is there you know you've mentioned metallurgy and you, you know is there anything to you know ported chokes and extended chokes and and the type of materials they're made out of 
So basically that that's another topic we could talk literally days about. So in a nutshell, let's talk about ported chokes, right? Because this is something that people don't really know the truth of, and it's really important because there's serious deficiencies um, that people aren't aware of. So the reason that I don't make a ported choke is not because I can't. I've made every style of porting you can imagine when I tested chokes. And I've done really crazy things on the internals of chokes that I won't even discuss. But I, I've put all sorts of things in chokes and and tested everything you can imagine, stuff that people would laugh at. I laughed at, but I wanted to see what it would do. Basically, choke manufacturers will tell people that porting does two things. It reduces muzzle jump and it reduces felt recoil. Those are both faults. They're outright lies. So basically, the recoil happens before it gets to the choke. So how can porting reduce felt recoil? Okay, that's number one. Number two, in order to force the muzzle downward, you have to force gases upward. So if you have porting that's facing upward and you shoot a magnum load and the gas is escaping, escaping upward, force the muzzle downward like Murphy's Law, right? For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. That's fine. But how can something ported 360 degrees direct gases upward to force the barrel down? It can't. It's a flash suppressor. Okay, so that's a lie. It doesn't reduce your muzzle jump. The other thing is what people don't realize when they buy a ported choke is, number one, it becomes filthy dirty with plastic and carbon buildup, okay, which affects your pattern from when it's clean to when it's dirty. Number two, it muzzle blasts your buddies and your dog in the blind. And number three, if you're shooting in low light, which we all do as hunters, like right during sunrise or a half hour before sunrise or a half hour before sunset, when you shoot a ported choke, it blinds you on the first shot. Okay. Not something I want. <laughs> you know, right. it, it's like shooting a two ounce load at 1300 feet per second. You know, your equilibrium gets rocked so bad. It takes you a lot longer than you think for that follow up shot to figure out what the heck is even going on. Yeah, you man. know, so when you get blinded by muzzle flash on your first shot, what are we doing? You're toast. You know, especially if you're if you're shooting a fast moving duck flying um, or a fast moving sporting clay target or it, it's happened to me. I've been there. I've done it. So basically, the reason that choke companies purporting on chokes is number one, it's got the fishing lure effect. It looks really cool. So we buy it. Um, number two, it reduces the weight of the choke considerably. So it doesn't feel like a decoy anchor on the end of your over and under. So you'll still buy it. And number three, they could change the shape or the number of holds in the porting and next year sell you new and improved choke so they get your money again. So those are the three reasons choke companies port chokes. The fourth reason could be because they don't know any better. They just follow the leader and think that it's cool or works because other companies said it does. And they don't even know for themselves. So it does nothing good. It actually, the gases escape around your shot column inconsistently every time because, again, we're shooting multi-projectile not a slug. The outside, your outer fringe ends up being affected more than the inner fringe. So you end up with a hotter cord pattern with a ported choke than a non-ported choke. So you end up with a much higher shot-shot deviation because of the porting. Um, Some chokes, ammo companies even tell you not to use because bad things can happen. Um, I won't get into all that, but it's out there if you Google it. And it's truth. So porting does nothing good. Um, Oh, and one other very critical thing, if you look on Facebook or Google it, you'll see porting creates a weak weak link. Um, Porting creates a break spot. 
So you'll see a lot of chokes out there that are ported that are breaking using regular ammo, sometimes even lead target loads or lead turkey loads, never mind big steel shot or tungsten. But chokes are out there breaking a lot, and it's because of the porting. It's a weak link. So I would never, ever put a ported choke in my gun. Therefore, I would never make one and sell it to you. Understood. Great things to know. Uh, yep. Talking about that, talking about that ported choke breaking, what are some things as far as materials go that people should look for? So basically, there's a lot of different material, not a lot of different materials, but my featherlight chokes are made out of a aerospace aluminum, which is why they're half the weight of titanium and they're patented as the lightest choke in the world. They're infused with a military ceramic, which makes it the hardest choke in the world because they're 62 Rockwell. You cannot cut it with a file. It's, it feels like carbide when you hit it with a file. And it's the cleanest choke in the world because it has a very low coefficient of friction thanks to that ceramic. So it's like a nonstick frying pan. So nothing can stick to it. No plastic, no carbon. Most chokes after 200 rounds, you got to scrape plastic out of them and put them in an ultrasonic cleaner to get the carbon off them. My Featherlight Target Series, you'd shoot 2,000 rounds out of them, put a paper towel through them, and they're like they're brand new. Okay. So at the same time, you can't shoot big steel shot through it because the substrate is still aluminum and it will tighten in your barrel. It'll expand, which is why I had to come out with something for duck hunting and goose hunting and big game hunting and three gun competition where they shoot slugs and buckshot. So with that said, most of the chokes that are out there for hunting um, and even clay target are either titanium or 17-4 stainless steel. Some chokes are made out of carbon steel and hardened. Um, some chokes are made out of 303 stainless steel. So quickly, we'll touch base on this, not to bore people, but one of the biggest well-known gun manufacturers in the world make their extended chokes for hunting and clay targets out of 303 stainless steel. Well, the only good thing about 303 stainless steel is that it's rust proof. That's the only good thing about a 303 stainless choke. Reason being, it's a soft metal or a soft alloy, let's call it. And because you can't harden a 300 series stainless steel, it's soft. And you shoot one load of steel through it and you're going to swage the threads right into the barrel and never get it out. Mm -hmm. Why that company ever did that is beyond me because they know better. Moving to titanium. Titanium is a very lightweight, very strong material, talking tensile strength-wise, which is why aerospace uses it. It's very rigid. It's very lightweight. It's very corrosion-resistant. All good things. The problem in a firearm, it's not good for a choke tube because it's so rigid. It deforms pellets. It squeezes them without any type of forgiveness, and it creates very hot core patterns. It's a very filthy, dirty material because it's a very malleable, sticky material. You get a lot of plastic uh, plastic buildup with a lot of powder, um, carbon residue. So titanium is a very, very expensive material. Um, it's very expensive to machine because you need special tooling with special coolants. Titanium chokes are not expensive because they're good. They're expensive because they're expensive to make. Okay? Something people need to be aware of. I would never put it in my gun. I created the first titanium choke. Five years before the big German company came out with it, it's the worst patterning choke in the world, and it's the dirtiest, and it's the most expensive to make. I wouldn't put it in my gun. I would never make it put in your gun. Next would be carbon steel chokes. Um, they're very inexpensive to manufacture. The material is dirt cheap. They machine like butter. 
you harden them afterwards, and then you sell them to people. Problem is they crack because they're too hard. They don't anneal them properly because they don't want to spend the money to do it. And they rust like a sieve. So even if you got it in your barrel and it's just a nice humid day out, not even raining out, you're going to get rust. The choke's going to rust and then it's going to rust your barrel and then you got a problem, all right, if not multiple problems. So I would never put a carbon hardened choke in my gun. Um, there's a big choke company out there that a lot of people buy for duck hunting and goose hunting and turkey hunting. Um, one of their long range chokes, if not multiple, um, they even market it. They make it out of a certain type of tool steel and they harden it to like ridiculous hardness. The problem is they're breaking all over the place. It's because they didn't think about that. They just thought that if it was really hard, it would be really good. Well, good for wear, but not good for tensile strength because they break. Okay. So, so these are things that are happening out there. I make my chokes out of 17.4 mil spec stainless steel. And the reason that I chose that over other materials is because when I machine it in the annealed state, and then I harden it to H900 series, which is the hardest you can do 17.4, the tensile strength goes through the roof. It will not expand inside your barrel if you shove big steel BB through it or even buckshot. And it's very rust resistant because it has a very high chromium and nickel content. And because it's as hard as it is, you don't have to worry about it moving cracking, breaking, rusting, and plus all my chokes are Cerakoted, so they're not going to rust as well. Um, so it's just a really good material to use. Um, most companies out there, they use 17.4. Um, to their benefit as the manufacturer, they preheat treat them to like H1025 or H1125. And what that does is makes the grain structure very nice so they can machine it like butter, give you a nice surface finish, they can machine it very easily with normal tooling and spit them out of screw machines like popcorn. And then they take that choke, they mark it, and they sell it to you. And then you put it in your gun and you find out you can't shoot steel BBs through it or you can't shoot this through it. They all have limitations, um, and that's because they're soft. Your barrels and your shotguns are about 42 Rockwell. Um, they're made out of mostly 4130 tool steel approved for steel shop because they're hardened. Unlike the old like Winchester Model 12, they weren't hardened. They were made out of a high chromium molybdenum steel, but they're not hard. They're just tough. That's why you can't shoot steel shot through them because they will move. So my chokes are 46 Rockwell hardness. They're harder than your barrels. So if you're not going to damage your barrel, you're not going to damage my choke. Um, most of the chokes out there in the market, they're preheat treated to 1125. They're like 32 Rockwell, which is the same hardness as the annealed state. Um, the reason they do that, again, is for ease of machining, not for a superior product for the end user. So I struggle machining mine in the annealed state so I could harden them afterwards to give the end user a superior product. Jim, you know what I love about listening to you describe all this is like, I know based on everything you're saying that you've done the work, you've gone through right. and done <laughs> the testing. Done that. And, yeah. you know, like... At the end of the day, most of the time, if I'm jumping into duck blind or I'm going to hit the turkey woods or I'm going to sport and clays course or whatever it is, I really just want somebody to tell me, well, what choke should I use? What's going to work you know? best? That's right. <laughs> What's going to be the best one? I, yes. I, don't, I'm, I don't have your kind of brain. I don't want to go through and test all these variables. And No, you don't. <laughs> and, and, and I don't have the knowledge to even know what I'd be looking at, you know? No so. Doubt it's really um, peaceful for me yep. to listen to you describe sure. these things. And 
know that you've gone through the work of, of figuring out just, I mean, just on the material you use alone. Uh, yeah. There was a lot that went into that and a whole heck of a lot more that went into this. So we definitely appreciate your guidance today talking about choosing a turkey choke. If folks want to reach out to you and get in touch, kind of talk about their specific situation, you know, what's the best way to get in contact with you? And then I'll ask you this too. A lot of times we've all probably been there if we've done any patterning. You know, we get our setup and we think it's going to be good. And then we just don't really like the way it turns out. If somebody's unhappy, say they grab your choke and, you know, they're unhappy with the way it's patterning for, for what they want. What options do they have? Yeah. So, so basically what I did was I offer everybody the best warranty in the industry to back up my product. Cause I do know it's the best in the world <laughs> um, because of what I've done, you know? And so I offer a 60 day full money back guarantee. And that 60 days starts from when you pull a trigger. So if you buy it from me now and you don't shoot it till next December, I don't care. You shoot it for two full months. If you don't think it's the best in the world for, every, for whatever reasons you decide that is for yourself, I will give your money back, no questions asked. In that 60 days, I also do a free constriction swap. So let's say you buy one constriction from me because it's what you think you want. You shoot the heck out of it and you're like, Jim, this is too tight or this isn't tight enough. I'll swap it for free. So you're never stuck with anything you buy from me. I want you to have what's best for you. After the 60 days, I have a full lifetime replacement warranty. Even if you damage one by accident somehow, drop it in a factory, run it over with a tow motor and flatten it, I'll give you a new one for free. Incredible. Very cool, man. If folks want to get online and check out your different lineup, what's the best place for them to go? Uh, just MullerChokes.com. And uh, that's spelled M-U-L-L-E-R. C-H-O-K-E-S dot com. Jim, it's always fun talking this stuff with you. I'll be looking forward to the next time we got a choke question. Thank you very much, gentlemen. All right, folks, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Y'all take a minute and check out some of our show sponsors. This segment was brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. At BucksIsland.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, and bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks. They love trade-ins, which provides a steady stream of used boats, and they can rig your boat at their 18-bay service department or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians, so visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also by Farm Credit of Northwest Florida. Farm Credit of Northwest Florida has over a century of experience providing financing for people who live, work, or play in the country. Farm Credit is here to help you make your dream of country living a reality. Their unique cooperative structure allows them to return some of their profits back to their borrowers. This patronage distribution effectively lowers a borrower's rate. To get started with your first or next land purchase, give them a call at 855-GO-RURAL or visit them at www.gorural.net. So Butch, uh, what'd you, what'd you take away from today that you're going to take to the Turkey woods? Man, there are so many variables. I know you guys were talking about how you especially were talking about, you know, going out in the field with a gun and 10 different shells and 10 different choke tubes. And there is just so many variables. It seems very complicated. And man, Jim's already done that. He's right. figured out everything for us. That's incredible. I mean, it's incredible because there's so much variability. And like I, I shoot previously, 
a different gun the, than you shoot. Yeah, you go to the patterning board. Three three buddies go to the patterning board. You all split some chokes and split some shells, and everybody's trying something a little bit different. And it turns out that like you know this shell and your gun shoots different and best, and there's just no standardization no. between the three. And so if you're shooting a Benelli and I'm shooting a Remington. We, we can't, can't even, even have a discussion. No. Yeah, we can't have a discussion about what's working for you and what's working for for me because it doesn't it doesn't matter. Unless you're shooting Mullers, and yeah. he's already figured all that out. So that if you grab his his turkey choke in a Remington, or you grab it in a Benelli, or you grab it in a Browning, it's going to have similar results. The similar pattern, and you know, with him really taking a look at the needs of a turkey hunter, he's not trying to see how many pellets he can get in a 10 inch circle at 40 yards what he's doing is setting these chokes up so that they're going to produce the most consistent and even patterns and give you the most forgiveness whether that turkey's at 10 or he's at 50 and that's what i need as a turkey hunter i don't need to cut his head off i need to have some margin for error because man i get those birds fire me up get them jitters me up man i just (laughs) get the turkey turkey favor yeah i've seen a lot of grown men just reduced to you know, pools of goo by these things and just do <laughs> things. To, I mean, King of spring. Yeah. I mean, you tell, I mean, I've seen guys out there that are great, you know, good shooters. Have, they'll bust a deer at 300 yards and miss a turkey at 15. And everybody goes, how'd you miss a turkey at 15 yards with a shotgun? Right. Probably running, <laughs> probably running too tight of a pattern. Too tight of a pattern and yank the trigger a little bit. And yank the trigger a little bit. Sit. Well, Sit still for an hour and 30 minutes with a 12-gauge on your knee or a 20-gauge on your knee in an uncomfortable position and then jack your adrenaline up and take a shot off your offhand side and right, you'll see the challenges. And so, like, he's already figured all that out. He's made it where you can count on these patterns. I mean, and, it, and go try it. Take one. Take it to the patterning board. If you don't like it, switch it out. Right. If yeah, you have it seems trouble like a no-brainer. You got the warranty, and I mean, for me, I've been shooting a, a a double barrel now for several years. Um, because I switched to TSS, and I wanted that tight pattern for longer shots, and I wanted an open pattern for closer shots. And but man, I don't like that really. I mean, I really don't like having leave some think. room for error. Yeah, yeah, I really don't like thinking about like oh, which barrel, which barrels on, which barrel right. am I selected to, and which one am I going to have to switch it to? I mean, it's just more to go wrong. Same reason Absolutely. I don't shoot a, uh, same reason I don't shoot an optic. It's just another thing that could go wrong. Nothing against them. It's just, I don't want to have to worry about a battery going dead. I don't want to have to worry about dropping it and knocking it off, you know, sure. um, that confidence and, and, and knowing he's already done the work is really cool. It's a really big advantage for anybody that's trying to get their turkey gun set up. Yeah, so you're saying you won't you you don't feel the need to run double barrels any longer because he's already figured that out for you. No, I mean it's it's not really sense. it's not really been an advantage for me to have double barrels. I did it because of TSS shooting so tight that I didn't want to have to tell the story of the ten yard miss because I had such a tight constriction. Right. Um. You know. Yeah, I can wax them out there at fifty yards, but. You know, I, I needed that more open pattern in close, and he's he's fixed that problem. Yeah, so, sure seems like it, man. Yeah, go back to it. Now I can go back to a, a semi-auto or a or a pump or or you know whatever I want. Yeah.
Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you. To get the podcast emailed to you each week, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land Show is brought to you by Fatanas Defense. The Fatanas Defense PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision System. Simply the best in class night vision systems ever built. Contact FatanasDefense.com to learn more. Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also Alabama Farmers Co-op. Alabama Farmers Cooperative has been serving gardeners, farmers, and everyone in between for 85 years. Visit www.alafarm.com for more information and to find a co-op near you. And also, Great Days Outdoors, the South's finest hunting and fishing magazine. Pick up your copy wherever magazines are sold or check them out at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also, the Hunter's Bait Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. The Lowdown High Speed Trail Cam Viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7-inch viewers. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. And also, Arm Credit of Northwest Florida. Farm Credit of Northwest Florida has over a century of experience providing financing for people who live, work, or play in the country. To get started with your first or next land purchase, give them a call at 855-GO-RURAL or visit them at www.gorural.net.